Welcome to Vision of Zion, episode number 10. My name is Craig Perry. Welcome to the program. Today we're going to go back to basics. And boy, do I love the basics. There's definitely firm ground there, terra firma, under our feet when we go back to the basics of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've covered some heady things in the scriptures the last three episodes in trying to talk about the kingdom of God upon the earth that is going to be created and established by the Lord. And I ended it with these incredible demonstrations of power which are recorded in the JST translation of, uh, well the one I, the most recent one was Genesis 14 where Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the prince of peace, who brought righteousness to his city through repentance, was after the order of Enoch, let's say, uh, the same, received the same promises as Enoch. I want to go over those real quickly with you, uh, just what these powers include. And this is when God swears to Enoch, and this is about covenant making, the whole corpus or the whole body of the Savior's core gospel, or the only gospel you could even say, is that when we follow the four pieces I'm going to describe to you today, that the Lord's oath, the Lord's swearing, the Lord's covenant with us, His being bound to us, is going to occur. So, listen to this again. God, having sworn unto Enoch and his seed with an oath by himself, that everyone being ordained after this order, that's the priesthood, because ordinances must be performed by the priesthood, calling, and then it says, order and calling should have power by faith to break mountains, to divide seas, to dry up waters, to turn them out of their course. Just for the heck of it? Of course not. But this is the power. If God makes an oath and says, you must accomplish the following goal, if the only way to achieve that goal is by breaking a mountain, dividing the seas, drying up the waters, turning the water out of its courses, he will do it. And then the next one is really powerful to me in our day and age. To put at defiance the armies of nations to divide the earth, to break every band. What kind of band are we talking about? We're talking about false oaths. We're talking about being bound by Satan through our sins, where he makes us think we cannot escape his grasp. Every band can be broken. To stand in the presence of God, to do all things according to his will, according to his command, subdue principalities and powers. Well, what's that? That's Daniel 2.44. And this by the will of the Son of God, which was from the, before the foundation of the world. And men having this faith coming up unto this order of God were translated and taken up into heaven. Well, that's ideally the way we'd all like to go, right? This whoosh, right up into heaven. In fact, we know that when the Savior comes, there will be this uh, people rising up to meet him in the clouds. So this is not so far off, but we have precedent for this in the scriptures. So I'm so excited to talk about these getting back to basics today. That'll probably be the top, uh, the, t the uh, title of this is back to basics. And the basics are profound. 
I remember still to this day, 40-something years ago, 41 years ago, sitting in my apartment in Italy. The first city that I served in was Latina. I think it was a city established by Mussolini uh, in the 1920s. Anyway, I'm sitting in an apartment and I'm studying these lessons we're supposed to memorize so that we know how to teach in a foreign language that we don't know natively about faith. And I remember reading these pink sheets. It was called the F discussion and I was pondering the meaning of faith. And I realized that this principle that I'd passed over so often had deep meaning and significance. And I didn't really appreciate it until that moment as I thought about it. And as I mentioned in a prior podcast, I didn't understand how faith operated until I had that experience as a missionary watching the Lord call a woman who seemingly was impossible for her to get baptized based upon an abusive, overbearing husband and the fear of asking. All of that was overcome because God said it is her time to do it. And we just simply operated on that testimony of to our soul that this would happen if we would take the following steps to challenge her. It was an amazing experience. But I didn't understand it until in the rearview mirror of a couple, two or three years later. At any rate, faith. This is a big concept. I mentioned that in the book of Hebrews, I believe it's chapter 11, it says the worlds were framed by faith. Now, uh, Joseph Smith gave a beautiful lecture on faith. And boy, what a great person to give this lecture because he's the one who, his whole triggering of his spiritual um, evolution, his spiritual awakening occurred when he was reading James 1.5, which says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. And he said that scripture just hit him like a ton of bricks. And he said, oh, I want to know which church I should join. And that was the scripture that was prepared and sunk into his heart at that time. And he knew he had to go out and pray out loud alone and get wisdom from God. So he did, and he had some profound experiences. So what a great uh, teacher to explain what faith is. He gave these lectures called Lectures on Faith. If you just go and type in lecturesonfaith.com, you will go there and see the lectures. The first two or three for me are profound and they're mind-blowing. And I'm going to share some excerpts uh, with you about faith here. And then we're going to talk about repentance. We're going to talk about baptism in the Holy Ghost. So let me back up a little bit though and set more of a stage. The first principles and ordinances of the gospel of Jesus Christ are those four things. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, repentance, baptism, and the Holy Ghost, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. As I mentioned in a couple of podcasts, members of our church, as taught in the Book of Mormon, another volume of scripture, believe that when Jesus told the people, and the, I suppose the apostles, I'd have to go back and see who his audience was, but... In John chapter 10, 16, the Lord says, Another sheep I have of this fold that, you know, had, that he had to go visit. I'm not going to quote it exactly, but you can go look it up. And when he came to the new world, we believe he visited a, a branch of the house of Israel who had traveled here. 
and when he appeared to them following his resurrection he said you are the other sheep that I told the people in the old world I would visit they thought I was referring to the Gentiles but I didn't go among the Gentiles I sent the Apostles to do that I'm here to talk to you and we believe that he also visited the ten tribes which we believe literally they are still lost so Christ's mission was to preach to the tribes of Israel the ones that had scattered Genesis 49 22 Joseph is a fruitful bough by a well whose branches hang over a wall we believe that means and suggests travel to another location the new world he visited the ten tribes wherever they are and of course he instructed all of them to preach the gospel to the inhabitants of the world in Matthew chapter 28 that was their imperative that was their command and they did so uh, let us talk about what he told them when he came after showing the marks in his hands he went right into you gotta you gotta repent and of course I guess you could say those people didn't need faith anymore because now they had actual knowledge when he appeared to them and they were able to thrust their hands into his into his hands and the sides and his feet and see the wounds that he was still bearing following the resurrection as a symbol or witness to those who saw him that he was in fact the resurrected crucified Lord that was prophesied in the um, Old Testament the Tanakh uh, he went on right into talking about repentance the necessity of repentance and then baptism in the Holy Ghost and here's what he says after declaring these th these things here's what he says he says again I say unto you this is 35 11 37 and again let me point out if you don't uh, believe in the Book of Mormon that is fine listen to these principles and see if they resonate with you and if they square with the old the New Testament okay it's just said a different way I've already pointed to Acts chapter 2 verse 37 when in the day of Pentecost they were pricked in their hearts and they the Apostle said repent and be baptized every one of you okay this is the same thing but the wording of this is really interesting so please please uh, follow along here verse 37 and again I say unto you you must repent ye must repent and become as a little child uh, and be baptized in my name or ye can in no wise receive these things that's John 3 5 as well 38 and again I say unto you he's gonna say it twice you must repent and be baptized in my name and become as a little child or ye can in no wise inherit the kingdom of God same same thing he says it twice and then he says this verse 39 verily verily what does the word verily mean it means my grandma taught me it means listen very carefully carefully because I'm going to say something very important verily verily I say unto you that this is my doctrine and whoso buildeth upon this buildeth upon my rock and the gates of hell shall not prevail against him that sounds like what the Lord told Peter in Matthew chapter I think 16 40 and whoso shall declare more or less than this and establish it for my doctrine the same cometh of evil and is not built upon my rock but he buildeth upon a sandy foundation and the gates of hell stand open to receive such when the floods come and the winds beat upon them therefore go forth unto this people declare the words which I have spoken unto the ends of the earth once again the charge of the house of Israel 
to take the gospel that he is preaching to the whole world and keep it simple. These four things, okay? This is the rock. This is his doctrine. Four principles. All right. This just emphasizes how important this is. This is what Jesus taught throughout his ministry. It's what he taught in John chapter 3. It's what, he, what the apostles were told to teach after he tutored them for 40 days. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And now we see here, beautifully described, this is the core issue that we should all remember. Let's talk about faith. Let's go back to the lectures on faith. Because that's the first principle. Okay, And this is what... Uh, Joseph Smith and I think others were also teaching these lectures but this is what they recorded they had this group of uh, they were trying to train up these uh, new converts and the men who were the priesthood holders in our church and they were trying to train these new leadership up to understand these basic fundamental principles listen to some of these beautiful the way these are put and written down are just to me eloquent all right this is the first lecture Faith being the first principle in revealed religion and the foundation of all righteousness necessarily claims the first place in a course of lectures which are designed to unfold the, to the understanding of the doctrine of Jesus Christ. So here's what he says. Talk about faith and what it is. Number two, the object upon which it rests. And three, the effects that flow from it. I'm going to skip down. And he, said, he gives examples of how faith is triggered or why what we do based on faith and and faith is closely tied to hope and you'll see how he says would you exert yourselves to obtain wisdom and intelligence unless you did believe that you could obtain them would you have ever sown if you did not believe that you would reap would you ever have planted if you did not believe that you would gather would you have ever asked unless you had believed that you would receive I like that one because that's why Joseph went and prayed because when this, he read that verse, and this is an important pattern too. When he read the verse, the spirit told him, if you ask, you will receive. And he said he had no doubt when he went and prayed, he would receive an answer because the spirit told him at that moment when he was reading his Bible, that if he asked, he would receive. Would you have ever sought unless you believe that you would have found? Or would you have ever knocked unless you had believed that it would have been opened unto you? In a word, is there anything that you would have done, either mental or physical, if you had not previously believed? So, what he concludes is, here it is, faith is the moving cause of all action in temporal concerns, and so it is in spiritual. For as the Savior has said, that truly he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he quotes to Mark chapter 16, verse 16. So that was the first thing he describes. And he goes on to describe more, but for our purposes, I'm going to leave it there that faith is the moving cause of all action. If we didn't believe, if we didn't have faith, we wouldn't have hope. But when we believe that if we plant a seed in the ground and it's going to be water, if we water it and give it sun, it's in the proper soil that will grow, we would never do that. So the hope comes from the exercise of our faith. Now, repentance. Our, the president of our church has been emphasizing lately the need for daily repentance. Now, I've heard different people say over time, well, you know, if you have to repent every day, you got problems. 
because it means you're not improving. But the current president said, no, we should be repenting regularly. Repentance is so important, and without feeling the Spirit, without faith, we would not exercise our the gift of that comes from repentance. Repentance is not an easy thing, but it is everything. It's what changes us from a, a natural man, the natural man as they describe in the scriptures, to a spiritual being, switching over. Uh, again, we call it conversion, we call it born again, but the process of forgiveness is, is, is the lifting of an amazing burden and it frees us to be able to act without any compulsion. Not, not, compuls, not compelled by the Spirit, not compelled by any outside force. It is internalized. And when we talk about Zion, we're talking about a collection of people who have achieved a conversion and believe in it and want to work cooperatively together to achieve the ends of God. So this is why we're going back to basics because all these great descriptions of Zion and what Enoch did and what Melchizedek did, it all comes down to these first few steps. Now, the atonement of Jesus Christ is basically this, that once we were given agency to function on this earth, we were gonna make mistakes. And God is a just God, so we have justice. And if justice is always satisfied, then everybody would be um, suffering the consequences of their sinful choices. And the only way you can bridge or satisfy justice is to have someone else pay that price or what we call a redemption. And this is fundamental to Christianity. It's the whole point of what Jesus' main purpose on the earth was to do, was to set an example and then atone for the sins so that he could be our advocate before the Father saying, look, this person has repented and the price of those sins has been paid by me. It's a profound thing that he was allowed to do and that he volunteered to do. I'm going to share personal experiences, not for self-aggrandizement because I think that we need examples and if I don't use them from my own life, I've got to borrow them from somebody else's life, which I will do to some extent, but I want to you know, bear witness to these principles that I have seen them work in my own life. When I was 18, I was uh, of age that I would be able to receive the Melchizedek or the higher priesthood. In our church, we have a preparatory priesthood, which we call the Aaronic priesthood, A-A-R-O-N-I-C like the priesthood of Aaron. But when we turn 18, we are of age and can qualify to receive a higher priesthood called Melchizedek. Now, the preparatory priesthood in our church, uh, you can pass the sacrament, you can visit members and exhort them to live the gospel and follow the Lord's commandments. As a, uh, that's, so we have deacons, we have teachers. As a priest, you can bless the sacrament and you can baptize. So, some more duties. But as a Melchizedek priesthood holder, and again, we're going back to the actual name of the priesthood is the priesthood after the order of the Son of God, or the holy priesthood after the order of the Son of God. But to shorten it up, 
and prevent the overuse of the name of the Lord. We just call it the Melchizedek priesthood because Melchizedek exemplifies and embodies the traits that we should all desire to emulate as a priesthood or a worthy priesthood holder. So the first office in that priesthood is called an elder. And it's a very serious step, I felt at the time, and it, I still feel it's a very serious step up in responsibility. With the Melchizedek priesthood, you can go on a mission and preach the gospel, and, and you can also uh, perform blessings of healing, where you lay your hands on people's head. We discussed what's in James chapter 5 about anointing with oil, and to be a, uh, able to do that in our church, you need to have the Melchizedek or the higher priesthood. So it's a real step up and there's other things that come but we'll talk about them later. So I'm in this interview or I'm ready to go inter be interviewed to receive this priesthood and I want to make sure that all the stupid stuff that I did as a kid growing up as a teenager that I knew I was right with the Lord I did not want to receive that priesthood unless my plate was clear and I had an assurance from the Lord that he was going to this is going to be a blessing and not uh, a hypocritical step and therefore be a cursing in a sense. So I remember clearly kneeling down in prayer at about when I just after I turned 18 and I asked the Lord to forgive me of all of my sins and if I had missed anything or had failed to repent I wanted to know I was right with the Lord. And I can testify to you, tell you that there was a great peace that came into me. That I knew that my sins were forgiven. And that he considered me worthy to receive the priesthood. I went into that interview with my then, one of the members of the presidency who performs these interviews. His name was President Ashton. And I remember as I sat in front of him... The, he looked at me, he was, a, he was a, a powerful speaker. I heard him speak in church uh, a few times. And he looked at me and he said, Brother Perry, when you receive this priesthood, you will never be the same again. And that thrilled me to think that this could be so transformational to receive this priesthood. And I knew that I was ready to take this next step. So I was really excited and grateful. And then uh, the, my priesthood was passed on to me, uh, or the priesthood of God was passed on to me. My father had been ordained a high priest, and he was the one privileged, I was the one privileged to receive the priesthood at his hands. And what's interesting in our church is we're able to trace our priesthood uh, back. We have a, like a priesthood line of authority. I won't get into that today, but we believe that our priesthood comes directly from three of the twelve apostles and then Jesus Christ. And so as you look about within your own life for direction, I think you have to consider uh, the priesthood and whether you are receiving your ordinances from someone who's been called of God. And I don't make any judgment about that. I We have very strong uh, beliefs in our church about priesthood and where that comes from. I have seen many ministers and people who have been born again or had a conversion say they were called of God directly from God 
to perform certain acts and to preach the gospel and I have no uh, judgment about what God has told them to do. I'm just expressing my tradition and and hope that it will help you uh, to understand a little bit about our background. So repentance is so critical because if we don't repent then it's as if the atonement had not taken place for us which means what? It means we have to suffer for our own sins. Now this is important and if you want to see what it's like to suffer for your own sins go, go on to YouTube and watch a few near-death experiences of people who have said they died and then posthumously I guess you could say although they came back to life again but when their spirit separated from their body they describe in these events what happens well if they haven't repented and have lived a life that needs to be cleaned up they go to a very dark place they feel the the wailing and gnashing of teeth in every case I've read the littlest thread of knowledge about Jesus Christ will come to their mind and if they call upon that knowledge from a hymn from a tradition from previous involvement in the church a, a Christian church grasp on that and if they pray for deliverance it is it is granted but just go read those accounts I don't have to bear witness to this I mean there's people like neurosurgeons who will testify about crossing over the veil and describing what happened it's just like the experience of Alma the Younger in the Book of Mormon Alma chapter 36 he describes here was a man who was persecuting members of the church and leading them out of the church because he didn't believe in a church of Jesus Christ and they prayed for his salvation and an angel came and said hey if you want to be cast off that's fine but leave my people alone and that's what snapped him into it but for three days he was in a place of great pain and sorrow and he prayed for deliverance and it was granted and he spent the rest of his days preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ which is what happens when there are these profound reversals of fortune from you know a damned person to a person who has the light in their lives and and the Lord freely forgives so repentance is that thing I want to read you these verses again these verses come from a revelation given to Joseph Smith you can give them the weight that they deserve listen to the principles that's the key here verse 16 for behold I God have suffered these things for all well I'm going to back up a little bit therefore I command you to repent repent lest I smite you by the rod of my mouth and by my wrath and by my anger and your sufferings be sore how sore you know not how exquisite you know not yea how hard to bear you know not for behold I God have suffered these things for all that they might not suffer if they would repent but if they would not repent they must suffer even as I well, what kind of suffering was this here it is which suffering caused myself even God the greatest of all to tremble because of pain and to bleed at every pore and to suffer both body and spirit and would that I might not drink the bitter cup and shrink 
Nevertheless, glory be to the Father, and I partook and finished my preparations unto the children of men. Therefore I command you again to repent, lest I humble you with my almighty power, and that you confess your sins, lest you suffer these punishments of which I have spoken, of which in the smallest, yea, even the least degree you have tasted at the time I withdrew my spirit. And I command you that you preach not but repentance, and show not these things unto the world until it is wisdom in me. This is why repentance is so important. This is why converted Christians all over the world will leave their trades, their professions, will leave their former lives, their former patterns, their former habits, and preach, preach, preach about the need to repent, to have that sinner's prayer, to get down and acknowledge. And it's interesting because I've read accounts of the living and historically in the scriptures where there are accounts where when the people who had a major turnaround in their lives from a life of wickedness to, to a life of light and lightness where they tremble at the very thought that someone would not repent. That it pains them to think that if they had done one thing more for someone they could have brought another person to Jesus Christ. And the burden of that obligation is very acute for people who have had a complete reversal in their lives from darkness to light. I mean, it's like palpably physically painful to think that people have to go through what the Savior went through. I'm going to share a couple of stories that will encapsulate the faith and the repentance aspects and baptism and probably the Holy Ghost here. And this is wonderful that, you know, what I do sometimes, well, I, what I try and do all the time is when I'm laying in bed and I wake up early in the morning, I'll just say a prayer while I'm in bed. Very comfortable that way. <laughs> I'll lay in bed and I'll say, Lord, what do you want me to talk about today? What's the next podcast going to be about? And this morning I was laying in bed and I thought in this, in the, in the spirit, what, what happened here? I want to tell you the process of how I get impressions. And we're going to talk about, by the way, the importance of having your own inner voice that you the inner voice, the voice of God speaking to you internally and recognizing that voice and following that voice. That's going to be a, a topic for another discussion. But today I was laying in, in the bed. I'm actually in a hotel room today away from a home and I was laying in bed and I was thinking about and praying about, Lord, what's the next thing you want me to talk about? And this, this process is sometimes I'll get a thought in my mind as I clear my mind to think and ponder and meditate a little bit. And if, if something comes into my mind that uh, at the time I'll say, Lord, is that, is that the thing? Is that coming from you? And then I feel the spiritual energy uh, um, amplified. And then I know through the clarity of the emotions I feel. Yeah, that's the thing. If it's just what a random thought, uh, is that it? No, is that it? No. And that happens a lot. <laughs> but today I felt to talk about this story and it does remarkably well uh, cover these points. And I'll go a little bit over time. I try and keep these at 30 minutes, but today I'm going to go a little bit over time so I can bear witness to watching this process occur in the life of somebody else. All right. This really happened to me. 
and to and I can have the person come on to this podcast and talk about from her point of view what occurred. These are real these are real stories, my friends. Uh I was driving home from work one night. I had a two hour drive. I was out of town, I was heading home and I I had been meeting with a, a new employee who was going to work with me and she was a wonderful person. I don't know if we'd ever even talked about religion at all. I don't remember at the time. I knew she was Christian. I didn't know much about her background. I was driving down the freeway. I remember exactly the exit I was near on the freeway. It was getting dark at night. Maybe it was completely dark. I was driving. I'm going to abbreviate the experience and just tell you the highlights because the details are not important enough to bring up now. But there's more to what I'm telling you. I was driving down the road, and the Spirit of the Lord came over me and said, you need to share the gospel with her. And they, they said her name. Tell her everything you know and do not hold back. Just like that. That was the core message. I know it came from the Lord. You know, when things come out of the clear blue sky like that, you just know. I wasn't thinking about anything. I wasn't thinking about her. I wasn't thinking about, you know, preaching or talking about Christ with her. I usually leave people alone, especially my employees. I don't make it a point to be a preacher to my employees. I think that's uh, may cross a line. Well, <laughs> it doesn't matter when your spirit tells you to do something, you just do it. So I went home and the next day, I think I did, I went down and I collected some materials that I thought she needed to read and I went back to her when I went back to town I drove back down the next week and I said look I don't want to sound too forward but I was driving my car I think I told the story and I was told to give you this and give you that and you need to read these things she took it to heart and she did read those things and then it got to a point where she wanted to learn more. And so I told her, well, why don't you go to church and attend a local congregation? So she said she would. And I said, you probably also need to take some, you know, if you're interested in this, you should take some formal lessons or discussions to make sure that all the basics are covered, which we've described here, faith, repentance, baptism, Holy Ghost, and what are the commandments and how do you stay on the path once you've uh, done all these things. At any rate, I found out the congregation where she lived would be closest to her, and I called up the, um, the, the I called them up and I said, "Hey, I've, I found out who kind of is the greeter. I will call him a greeter at that at that uh, congregation." And I said, "You're going to have a very special visitor come to church today, and when she walks in, I want you guys to embrace her and be aware of her because this is her first time. She's coming alone." Well, long story short, those people who introduced themselves to her have become lifelong friends. This is this happened years and years ago. Uh, the woman uh, was baptized. I was actually um, privileged to perform the baptism. And I have watched her life evolve into a lifetime of service. She's done, she served in many roles in the church. She has been a light to other people. And she has been a, what I would consider to be a completely changed person. I take absolutely no credit for this process. Only thing I did was follow a prompting. 
faith. Would I have planted the seed of faith in her if I didn't know that something might come of it? I wouldn't have, but I had hope because by then I had learned the pattern. And the pattern was when the Lord, Lord speaks to you, you act. And then the repentance followed, the baptism followed, and now she has the gift of the Holy Ghost in her life to give her and to guide her. And she has absolutely magnified her um, membership in a Christian church by serving others with love, and uh, it's been incredible. So that was the story that I was prompted to share with you today. I will have her on the program to confirm what I just told you is true and and happened from and get her point of view on what happened you know my son wants to live a life of great adventure this is one of his things he wants to have not a what we call it a nerf a nerf ball life or a nerf a nerfy life <laughs> he wants to have a, a lot of challenging and wonderful experiences I submit to you in closing that the most fun I've had in my life the greatest adventures of my life and the the craziest, unexpected, and wildly rewarding things have occurred in my life have been when I got an impression from the Lord and I followed through. And some of the things you get told by the Spirit, you just take you right out of your comfort zone. But on all those promptings has come the greatest adventures of my life. Now maybe you'd say, well, that's a pretty, you must live a pretty boring life. And, and maybe that's true. I don't know. I don't, I don't uh, climb mountains uh i'm not a mountain climber i don't you know free solo like annex honnold and you know climb el capitan without ropes i don't live an exciting life like that but the greatest adventures of my life have been when the lord planted a seed of faith and hope and said you can do this you need to do this you will do this and i say okay lord and then i just act on it to my wife's chagrin oftentimes initially later as the plant grows from a seed, my wife goes, wow, this was really good advice. And my wife has learned, despite her initial resistance on occasion, to trust that if I say, this is what the Spirit of the Lord is telling me, she will follow and she will listen. And I do likewise with her. Um, if something speaks to her, I'm all in. But you just have to make sure that what you're you know, getting is from the Lord and at some point we'll talk about how do I know when it's just my own voice or if it's a spirit talking to me how do I make that distinction I've left a lot on the table still but I think that covers it today I just want to bear witness to you about the atonement of Jesus Christ these principles are so fundamental and so basic but they are all of the doctrine of Jesus Christ he said no more no less than these things if you do those four things everything is going to work out and God will be bound, okay, he'll be bound to, uh, if he tells us that we should do something, he's bound. There's a, there's a verse, another verse, Joseph, God, I'll just say it in closing. It says, I, the Lord, am bound when you do what I say. But when you do not what I say, there is no promise. Act on your promptings. Make sure the signal is clear. Learn how the Lord speaks to you. I think he speaks to us in different ways. We have different talents in different ways. Some are visual, some people are visual, some it's deep feelings, some describe it as a voice. That's what Elijah said. He heard the Lord in a still, small voice. And yet, 
what? It'll shake you to the core. I bear witness of that. You're going to have a great adventure in life if you follow these things and you will have lightness in your lives. You will not have to dread or worry about uh, the, the final judgment if you repent. That's our big, uh, Hugh Nibley said a beautiful, th I think he was quoting another thing that someone said. He said, the angels envy us our ability to repent and to forgive. The angels envy us our ability to repent and forgive. And by the way, our repentance is only as valid as our forgiveness of others. The Lord will only forgive us to the extent that we forgive those who have trespassed against us. So remember that and thank you for listening.